And welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and thank you all for tuning in today. And uh, like last week, I had on uh, Lauren Hunt. She's the program manager at the Davis Finney Foundation. And the foundation is dedicated to helping those living with Parkinson's disease live healthy now. So if you missed that interview, you can go to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart webpage right here on TalkingAlternative.com to listen to that interview. And uh, it's a great organization. So if you uh, work with patients or individuals with Parkinson's disease, if you have Parkinson's disease or uh, loved ones, if you're a caregiver, they're a great organization. They have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of um, educational resources for people living with PD. And last week I had mentioned that we weren't going to get into all the technical and medical aspects of Parkinson's disease because I was going to save that for my show today. So uh, today I'm happy to have on the show, she is also a physical therapist. Her name is Estelle Gallo. She received her doctorate degree in physical therapy from NYU in 2001. Uh, her college degree in France in physical education in 1996. She has worked at NYU since graduating in 2001 in acute care, adult inpatient rehab, vestibular therapy. Actually, we've had a couple of vestibular therapy shows. It's actually, I think, becoming more and more popular. Um, She has been in outpatient PT department at NYU since 2007 and has been a clinical specialist since 2009. She is a certified clinical specialist in neurology from the American Physical Therapy Association, and we'll kind of get into that uh, in in a few minutes as to exactly what that means and what that entails. So Estelle, thank you for coming on. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Great. So uh, like like I just said, um, you are a clinical specialist in neurology from the APTA. So if, if you were to give someone your card, and a lot of people see after PT's name, PT, DPT, OCS, NCS. So talk a little bit about, if, if you can, what that neurology specialization means and what you have to go through to get it. Sure, sure. So uh, it's an initiative by uh, the American Physical Therapy Association to try to foster some professional development and specialization from uh, physical uh, therapists. So you're going to see there are specialization in different areas. So me, it's neurology, but you'll have it also in the orthopedic field. You'll also have it in a woman's health, in geriatric, in acute care, uh, also in electrophysiology and electrophysiology modalities. Mm-hmm. So um, the first thing you have to, uh, to do, you need to um, uh, meet certain criteria just to sit for the, the test. Mm-hmm. And so you need to already have, I think it's 2,000 or 3,000 uh, hours of direct patient care in a specific area where you want to specialize. So mm-hmm. if it's neurology, you need to work with a neurological population. If it's orthopedic, you need to work with orthopedic uh, patient. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you meet all the, those criteria, they say, okay, you can sit for the, the test. And uh, the test is around seven hours uh, long. Wow. And yeah, no, no, it's, yeah, no, it is Holy a very, cow. very long test. And, you know, the material that you have to study from, it's pretty much everything and uh, anything. So you have mm-hmm. a really big bibliography to, uh, to review and, uh, and read. So it's... Um, that's why it's really something that you need to, to take when you already have a little bit of, uh, of experience, mm-hmm. not something I would take right away after uh, graduating from PT school. But once you have five, ten years experience, it might be a good professional uh, challenge. And it's a good way to know what you know and what you don't know as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And what is, I mean, to say 2,000 to 3,000 hours, I mean, it's such a lot. If you were to put that, let's say, in, in years. It's probably, um, it, it's all depend because some people really write away specialized so mm-hmm. if you think about it in in a week you have 37.5 mm-hmm. uh, hours mm-hmm. so but i would say three to five years of experience uh, at, least, at least you know yeah uh, but me i know i took it after like eight years and it was a good uh, a good timing but it's you know for people to uh, to decide what they wish and, to, to do. And is it both a written and practical exam no. or is it just a written exam? It's purely uh, written. For seven hours? Uh, yes. We, I forgot exactly how many <laughs> questions you have. You have 200 questions uh-huh. or, or so. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty long. It, it is tiring. Yes. It's intense. Do yes, it a, is intense. Do you get a meal break in there? Or yes, you do. Oh, you, you have do. an hour break in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So wow. you need to have a little bit of mental stamina. Yeah, I would say so. And and let's say for physical therapists who are out there thinking, you know, maybe I want to sit for one of these exams. Let's say they want to sit for the neurology exam. Yeah. How how long would you recommend someone to be studying? Are there groups people can join? Is there study materials given to you by the APTA or? S- yeah, so uh, the best thing to, to do is to go on the, uh, for any physical therapist who would be interested. First of all, it's, I think it's a great uh, idea to, uh, to, to look uh, into it, especially mm-hmm. if you've been practicing for uh, several years. It's mm-hmm. good to foster some professional development and some uh, concrete uh, goals. Mm-hmm. So going on the APTA website and in a specific section that you want to uh, get your test, you'll get all kind of information. And indeed, what they'll give you is a bibliography of all the reading material. Uh, there are some courses that are offered by the uh, APTA that can be also some good review uh, material and they also are, there are some study groups uh, as well. So as you go through the process, you get a little bit uh, guide, some guidance from the specific section, but not all sections are equal. The orthopedic mm-hmm. section, for example, is extremely structured. They have a lot of material courses that are offered. Uh-huh. The neurology section is a little bit more free spirit, okay. you know, but, <laughs> but, they, but they try to be a little bit more and more uh, structured, offering a little bit more courses. And there's a very extensive bibliography. And how long did you study before sitting for the oh, exam? Me, I'm, I'm a little bit of an anxious uh, uh-huh. person and I'm not, you know, it's, uh, I, started, I studied maybe uh, early uh, on, maybe six months in, in advance, okay. you know, uh, and just, you know, slowly, but uh, but surely. But some people, they study at the last minute. I know also some people haven't studied at all, but, and you know, take it. and they took it just like this, just to uh, to see. So, I mean, you have to enjoy the process. Yeah. That would be the, me, I knew I was at the stage, I, you know, I really want to review my material. I want to know a little bit more. And because indeed it's it's a written test, so it's mm-hmm. not practical. So uh, it's it's specific specific way of studying. But you need to be at a point where you want to f- you want to know more. Either way, you want to test yourself, or you feel like I want to know more. I want to learn more and see what it takes me. That that makes okay. perfect sense. And upon taking the exam and, and getting that certification of NCS, how do you feel that your practice has changed? Your practice of physical therapy. Do you feel it's changed as a result? Uh, I think it uh, gives you confidence in knowing what you know and Mm -hmm. also knowing what you don't now, mm-hmm. because as you study and also the diversity of the different topics and what it covers, it's so extensive that even though it's just neurology, neurology is a big, big topic. There are Absolutely, so many different yeah. conditions. So you cannot be a specialist in, in everything. So mm-hmm. you have a better grasp of what is it that you know and you have a good grasp and what is it that really you, you don't know mm-hmm. too, too much. So mm-hmm. it's you, you, you gain uh, inside knowledge of, of yourself and your own knowledge uh, right. base. So it gives you a little bit of confidence and also it helps you to be humble because you realize that there is a lot that you don't know. Right. And and I, I would assume ultimately kind of makes you, does it help diagnos- diagnostically? Do you become a better diagnostician? Do you feel like your your clinical skills are sharpened because of, of more that the more you know? Yeah, and I, I think, think the, so. the, you know, in a way, the, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know, but yeah. it's still you're better off knowing more and realizing yeah. the, the limits. So yeah. for sure, I think I better I, I became a better uh, clinician. And mm-hmm. also, I think it highlights the, the fact that people are self-motivated and they want mm-hmm. to keep on learning because mm-hmm. you realize that the knowledge base is going to be very dynamic. So what we thought was true maybe seven, ten years ago, it's now it's, uh, it's still true, but we know more. So it's that's, cumulative. So that's yeah. why, in addition, what's important to know about this certification, it's only valid for ten years. Mm. So it's not like you're certifying it's a lifetime certification. Mm-hmm. You need to do it again in, in ten years. Right, right. And, so. and so for all you PTs out there uh, thinking about doing it, I think that was a great overview of, of the process. And now for all those people listening who may be patients, if you see someone with that extra certification at the end that you know that you're getting someone with a little more experience and, and possibly hopefully a little more knowledge no exactly more experience and also more knowledge and, mm-hmm. uh, and a desire to uh, to, to work with to this work. patient population yeah. uh, as well and to learn from this patient population because as much as we can read all different types of articles and but the, mm-hmm. the best source of information and the most interesting source of information are our patients of absolutely. course absolutely absolutely so this is really from them that we learn the most Great. And okay, on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back in the next section. We're going to start our 
more in-depth look at Parkinson's disease and how physical therapy can help those living with it. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Lebowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Hi, this is psychic medium Betsy Cohen, host of the show, The Power of Intuition. Join me at TalkingAlternative.com, Mondays at 11 a.m. Call in for a free psychic reading. Learn how to tune into your intuition to feel better and to create your optimum life. I'm here to guide you and to assist you in creating the life that you deserve. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you feeling overwhelmed in the current chaos of our changing times? A deeper understanding of authentic astrology can uncover solutions in every area of life. After all, metaphysics is just quantum physics, poetically expressed. I am Montgomery Taylor, and I offer lectures, seminars, and private consultations. For more information, contact me at Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at rljmedia.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I am joined today by fellow physical therapist, Estelle Gallo. She's a physical therapist at NYU here in New York City. Uh, last segment, we sort of talked about her certification as a uh, neuro- neurology specialist from the APTA. And right now, we're going to get into uh, the bulk of our program on Parkinson's disease. So like I said last week when I was interviewing Lauren Hunt from Davis Finney Foundation, we weren't going to really get into the medical and technical part of Parkinson's disease because I wanted to do that today with Estelle. So I guess, Estelle, we'll start off very simply yet broad. Mm-hmm. What is Parkinson's disease? Well, Parkinson's disease is a progressive neurodegenerative uh, disorder. So it's a disorder that attacks your uh, brain or your central nervous uh, system. To be a little bit more specific, it's not like it attacks your whole brain or central nervous system. It attacks a specific part of your brain called the basal ganglia. Mm-hmm. And within the basal ganglia, it attacks even a more specific area of the basal ganglia called the substantia nigra, um, which is this part of the, the brain that produces uh, this um, chemicals, uh, neurotransmitter called dopamine. Mm-hmm. So as a result, one of the main consequences of Parkinson's disease is you slowly uh, lose those uh, cells in the substantia nigra that produces the, the dopamine. And so why you're just is missing dopamine dopa- important? Well, dopamine uh, is one of the many neurotransmitters that we uh, have in our uh, brain. That And those neurotransmitters are chemicals that communicate in 
informations between uh, nerve uh, cells. So dopamine is an important neurotransmitter and um, and you can see the, the extent of the, the role of dopamine. It's probably not just dopamine that's involved, but that's really the, the main one. But uh, it damages uh, the way our uh, basal ganglia works, and uh, that's going to have many different type of uh, impact. And the signs of symptoms of Parkinson's are very uh, wide. Very vast. Yes. Right. And what, let's say, what are some of the beginning signs of Parkinson's? Yeah. So something to, let's say you know, even the layman person may be able to pick up on. Sure. There are, there are many signs and symptoms to uh, Parkinson's. But the, the, the cardinal signs and symptoms when people think of Parkinson's are the first one is uh, tremor. What you're going to see, people are going to have what we call a, a resting uh, tremor, almost like a pin rolling. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they start to move, that uh, tremor disappears. Okay, so that's what we really call it uh, a resting tremor. And also people, um, you might see what we call bradykinesia, meaning that people are going to move very, very slowly. Not very, but they're going to feel that they move slower. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time, uh, it's uh, a companion who's going to say, I don't understand, my husband or my wife just is not walking as fast as he or she used to. Mm-hmm. So just the movements overall, one of the best objectives to describe Parkinson is everything goes slowly. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. So the initial onset is slow, it's insidious, you don't necessarily notice it. But you're going to have this tremor, you're going to have those uh, slow movements. And also, maybe the, the patient might not notice it, but um, during a clinical exam, if somebody tried to move your legs or your arms, you, you're going to feel a little bit of resistance to the movement, and that's what we call rigidity. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. But the main thing people might notice is a bit of the, of the tremor that goes away as soon as they start moving, mm-hmm. and a bit of slow, uh, slowness in their, in their movement, and especially with their walking. Right. Those are the main ones. And then later on, they start to have a little bit of what we call postural instability. Their balance is going to be affected, and they're not going to feel as stable as they used mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And what about, <clears throat> I mean, I went to a course a couple of years ago on Parkinson's, yeah. and the one thing that sort of stuck out to me is by the time these sort of symptoms come about, there's already been a big reduction in the amount of dopamine that is that is being produced. Yes. That's so it's almost like, you know, how, which is probably in part why it has this insidious onset. They can't, there's no cure for it right now because it seems like by the time you you pick up on these initial signs and symptoms, there's already so much lost. Is yeah, that no, that's perfectly uh, correct. And that's one of the issues with Parkinson's because it's not like for other conditions you can have a special test and boom, you know that somebody has this. Mm-hmm. It's really a clinical diagnosis that has to be done with uh, an expert, with a neurologist, I, mm-hmm. would, uh, I would say. Uh, so uh, that's, um, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> oh, no, I was, no, no, I was just No, of... but no, no, I, no, I remember the, the point. Is it once somebody gets, uh, get those symptoms, yeah. the person already has lost around 50% of their uh, dopamine. Yeah, that's so that means you have uh, this time frame where you're starting to lose your dopamine and you're not symptomatic, but meanwhile, mm-hmm. you don't know that you have Parkinson's. So it's a little bit tricky to see how could we prevent the, the worsening of the loss of, uh, mm-hmm. of dopamine because usually, indeed, when people start to become s- symptomatic, they've already lost a lot of their dopamine. And right. by the time of death, if autopsies are made, they'll see that they lost around a little bit over 90% of their wow. dopamine. So yeah. it seems that you have this, you know, time frame and this amount of dopamine that you can live without, without being symptomatic in right. a way. And right. that's why once you become symptomatic, it's, it's not like it's too late, but already you've lost a lot of your dopamine. Right, right. Hmm. And are there sort of different types of Parkinson's? So I know there's sort of Parkinson's Syndrome, but is that yeah. broken apart? Are there different types? No, there are different types. Um, so there are Parkinsonism uh, syndrome. Mm-hmm. What we talk about here is um, you have the idiopathic Parkinson's disease, okay? And that's what people refer to as Parkinson's disease. Is mm-hmm. idiopathic because we really don't know the, the cause of, mm-hmm. of it. That's the mm-hmm. sad part. We really don't know what's causing Parkinson. We think it's a mix of uh, age, uh, genetic, maybe environment, but they're truly no uh, causes. Mm-hmm. And then you can have other conditions uh, that are going to mimic some of the 
Parkinsonism type of syndrome that mm -hmm. can be caused by what we call normal pressure hydrocephalus, which is water in the brain. Okay. It also can be caused by uh, people having uh, different type of uh, strokes that can mimic also uh, Parkinsonism. Okay. Uh, you can have drug-induced Parkinsonism from uh, psychotic uh, drugs that actually uh, slowly destroy mm -hmm. your, your dopamine uh, uh, as uh, as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have uh, Parkinsonism from multiple head trauma, but that's pretty rare. That would be someone maybe like Muhammad Ali. Exactly. Uh -huh. But those are pretty uh, rare. Yeah. And you can also have atypical Parkinsonism uh, syndrome. And those are going to be uh, more severe and they're going to progress uh, faster. faster. And they're not going to be responding as well to the medication. That's how they know that it's not idiopathic Parkinsonism. I see. I see. And we're going to actually, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about the the Parkinson's syndromes that don't respond as well to, to the medication. So we'll go into detail a little bit more about those um, after the break. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. Is your marriage in trouble? Are you considering divorce? Hello, I'm Lawrence Bloom, a family law attorney in New York and New Jersey. No one is happier than the day their divorce is final. My firm can help you. We take the nasty out of the divorce process and make people happy. Please call us at 212-964-3502 for a free consultation. That's Lawrence H. Bloom at 212-964-3502. We make people happy. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy, and I am joined today by physical therapist Estelle Gallo. And we're talking about Parkinson's disease, kind of trying to give you um, an overview of the disease, why it happens, some symptoms. So <clears throat> we last uh, left off in the last segment sort of talking about different types of, of Parkinson's. And uh, like Estelle said, there's uh, insidious Parkinson's where it just happens for for no reason, although they think that it may have to do with age, with your sex, with heredity. Obviously, you can't change any of that. No. It just is what yeah. it is. And it could be, I think they said that there are some pesticides and things yeah. like that. that the I environment, think maybe, every, yeah. But, mm. but not really sure. Uh, then we have Parkinson's due to, uh, like we sort of said, someone like Muhammad Ali, have yeah. multiple blows to the head, things yeah. like that, a little bit more rare. Mm -hmm. And then we have Parkinson's that 
that just that doesn't respond to uh, the medications as well. As they well. don't respond uh, as well. And those <coughs> is what we call the body type of Parkinsonism. Uh, you also have uh, multiple system atrophy. Mm-hmm. You also have something called PSP. And those mm-hmm. uh, patients usually will present with um, they won't respond as well to the medication, and they will going to present with significant postural instability. That meaning that their balance is going to be significantly mm-hmm. uh, impaired. Mm-hmm. And in some other cases as well, they're going to present with uh, increased uh, cognitive impairment and uh, dementia such as in Lewy body mm-hmm. uh, type of Parkinsonism. Right, and a Lewy body is, I guess for simplicity's sake, we'll just say sort of plaques on the brain. Exactly, yes, yes, and it, those patients tend to uh, present with uh, dementia mm-hmm. uh, uh, as well. Right, but, yeah. but different than uh, Alzheimer's disease. Yes, no, no, di- different because they're going to also have those uh, movement uh, or motor uh, mm-hmm. symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and you know during during the break we were sort of uh, talking about these different types of Parkinson's because I just wanted to highlight that not all Parkinson's. Uh, patients are going to have the presentation of Michael J. Fox, and we mentioned before, but he really is one of the most famous people in the world diagnosed with Parkinson's and has been living with that for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, neither one of us obviously have treated him, uh, no. you know, so... Um, you <laughs> and know, even if we did, I don't think we should Yes, and yeah. even <laughs> if we did, we wouldn't say that we did. But um, just to be clear that neither one of us has treated him, no. but... Um, you know, Estelle had some interesting uh, remarks over the commercial break about his type of the movements that he has and what what that's all about. Yeah, what's interesting, and it's a little bit the irony of the story with Parkinson, is ultimately with Parkinson, people are going to have difficulty uh, moving. All the movement, especially all those automatic movement that we do without thinking about it, Mm -hmm. just that standing up, getting in and out of bed, walking, are going to become extremely challenging for people with uh, with Parkinson. So overall, Mm -hmm. You know, you have uh, a paucity of uh, of movement, less and less movement. Moving mm-hmm. is going to become very difficult. Meanwhile, when you see uh, Michael uh, J. Fox, he when, especially when he once I remember him doing an interview on uh, on TV, and you could see him like being actually moving a lot, mm-hmm. being unable to control his, his movements. And those type of movements are what we call uh, dyskinesias. And uh, they're really a side effects from uh, extensive and prolonged use of the Parkinson uh, mm-hmm. medication. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what it is. For people who've been on this medication for, for a long, long time, especially like somebody like uh, Michael J. Fox, who's been diagnosed with Parkinson at a pretty early age, which is already very rare, mm-hmm. has been on this medication for a long time time as a result he probably has those type of dyskinesia but again I've you know I really don't know anything about his uh, his care but that's one of the extreme side effects of Parkinson is those dyskinesia Mm -hmm. and then in other cases it just no movement movement uh, at at all all. so it can go from one extreme to uh, to uh, to the next right so it just shows how different each patient is and and how with these neurological conditions Parkinson's even MS how it's it's so much different than treating an orthopedic problem where, you know, if someone sprained their ankle, you pretty much know, you know, you have a better framework because not that everyone is the same, but at least the framework is. And I think with neurological conditions are much harder to treat as a result of the the variability. Especially, yes. Ultimately, you you treat someone with this uh, condition and also because those conditions are so progressive. So it all depends where they are along uh, the the progression of the the illness, of the the disorder. The way you're going to look at the patient, your recommendations, the strategies that are going to recommend, the type of intervention are going to be very different based on where your patient is along uh, with the with the with the disorders and it all sure. also depends on on your patient their sure. goals and so many other factors that come into play yeah um another so you know we sort of touched a little bit upon the medications that can be used to uh in in those cases where the medication respo- yeah. people respond well to the medication and that's the way to diagnose like yes it, that's and that's the way that uh, a physician and neurologist will be able to confirm the diagnosis mm-hmm. is they're going to get some of those typical motor signs the resting tremor the brady the slow movement the, mm-hmm. the rigidity uh, and then they'll say okay let's try this medication the the common name is called cenamet uh, mm-hmm. but they have other type of the medication but that's really the the common one for uh, parkinson's disease 
disease. And the patient say, oh, I take this and I feel much better. That's a way to confirm the diagnosis of mm -hmm. idiopathic Parkinson's disease. That makes sense. And, and another treatment that you hear of um, is the deep brain stimulation. Yes. And what is, you know, what is that? What does that entail? Can you do it here in the U.S.? It seems like people go overseas for that kind of thing. No, you can definitely do it in, uh -huh. the, in the U.S. I mean, I don't, uh, deep brain stimulators, it's something that's going to be done later on. Uh, somebody who actually has uh, dyskinesias. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the main uh, reason why you would do it, to help somebody has l less of those uh, uncontrollable uh, movements. Mm -hmm. So it's really done for people who still re respond to the medication, but have those really uncontrollable uh, movements. So it's really mm -hmm. something that's done later on in uh, in the, in, the, in the disorder, uh, the way uh, uh, the way the disorder progresses. Right. So if, uh, if someone is f newly diagnosed, the doctor won't say, "Let's." No, do deep I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. You know, and I don't really feel uh, an expert in talking about deep brain simulation, but just mm -hmm. ba based on the knowledge base that I mm -hmm. that I have and. Mm -hmm. What I've heard about it, that's something that's going to be done uh, later on. Later and it can on. definitely be done in the U.S. Uh, most of the main medical centers uh, have uh, programs for deep brain stimulation. Mm -hmm. uh, I know at NYU we do uh, mm -hmm. have one now. So um, it, is, uh, it is available. But indeed, that's something that needs to really be discussed with uh, the, the neurologist, the neurosurgeon, of course. Uh, it's a whole team. Uh, it's a team approach. Overall, that's one of the big components, too, for uh, treating patients with Parkinson's. It, it takes a whole team. You know? Absolutely. Uh, it's and who, let's, let's kind of sort of stick with that. If we were to break it down, who is kind of on that team? Who, if, so if you're diagnosed, you have a family member, a loved one, a friend, who needs to be part of that team? So really what I would recommend is for somebody to have a neurologist, uh, of mm -hmm. course, and if it can be a neurologist who specializes in movement disorder, that would be uh, even uh, better. Mm -hmm. And also uh, you may have a neurosurgeon as part of that team as well, but also you're going to have uh, your regular physician. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have uh, all the rehab team, meaning a physical therapist, maybe an occupational therapist, uh, a speech therapist mm -hmm. as well, because um, the, the, the Parkinson is going to affect different movement, but also going to affect your, your voice. Mm -hmm. you, they speak like this. You mm -hmm. have difficulty hearing them. So again, speech therapy can be very uh, helpful as well as they may have difficulty with swallowing, swallowing. as well. Yeah. Uh, then you may have also a neuropsychologist to, to help with uh, the cognitive uh, decline and uh, uh, impaired ability to process information. So to give them some uh, other strategies. Mm -hmm. um, probably going to have a nurse uh, as well. But you can see there is a whole team behind. And not mm -hmm. everybody needs to be on that team at all the time. But at different time, mm -hmm. it's good to have those uh, team uh, members. Right. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. Mm -hmm. um, and now, you know, when you're treating, let's say you're treating, a patient comes in and you are evaluating them They're for the, a diagnosis of Parkinson's. Can you sort of... We'll sort of start it in this section and, and go through to the next segment after the commercial. But how do you what are the first couple of things you do in your evaluation? I always uh, I always start by asking my patient this open ended question, see how it goes. But what brings them to uh, physical therapy? Mm -hmm. You know, because some people have a very good sense, especially if they had this condition for several years, they know exactly what they want out of physical uh, therapy. So mm -hmm. I always try to ask them what What are your goals? You know, what is, What is it that you? Why are you coming to physical therapy? Mm -hmm. What are you hoping to achieve from uh, physical uh, therapy? Then I'm going to ask them some questions about their overall activity level. What kind of functional activities they're having difficulty with or what is their change in functional uh, mm -hmm. status mm -hmm. uh, also uh, if about their falling do they do they fall when was the last time they they fell or how often do they fall if it's is it a problem or not a problem uh, how long ago were they diagnosed with Parkinson's so I can get a sense of how far along they are within the the the, the, the disorder mm -hmm. uh, and um, 
and that's going to be the, the first few uh, steps, just talking with the, the patient, getting mm -hmm. a sense of what brings them here, how they're functioning, any change in their functional status, and if they're falling uh, or not, and also about their social situation. Do they, do they, do they work? They're help. not working. Do yeah. they have help at home? Do they live alone? So just to get to, to know the, the patient and the, and the situation before mm -hmm. I get them Before uh, you even like t put your hands on them or yeah, start moving around. Yeah, I just want around. to get to first, yeah, they can know sense. me, and I want to get to, uh, to know them. Uh, as well. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about, a little bit more about what Estelle does with her patients with Parkinson's. So stay tuned. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Hi, this is psychic medium Betsy Cohen, host of the show The Power of Intuition. Join me at TalkingAlternative.com Mondays at 11 a.m. Call in for a free psychic reading. Learn how to tune into your intuition to feel better and to create your optimum life. I'm here to guide you and to assist you in creating the life that you deserve. Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. Hi, I'm Carol Ward from the Body Mind Wellness Program. Listen to my show for ideas and information to help you live a healthier life in body, mind, and spirit. You'll hear from terrific guests who are experts in the areas of health, wellness, and creativity. So join me every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on TalkingAlternative.com, professionals serving community. Hi, this is Nancy Tato from Speak Spin Radio. Speak Spin Radio is an exploration of the world of communication, how it happens and how to make it better, because the quality of your communication has a direct impact on the quality of your life. Tune in Mondays at 2 p.m. on TalkingAlternative.com, where I'll be interviewing experts from business, academia, the arts, and new thought. Join me Mondays at 2 p.m. and get all your communications questions answered on Speak Spin Radio. This is Tony Martinetti, the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Technology, fundraising, compliance, social media. Small and medium nonprofits have needs in all these areas. My guests are expert in all these areas and more. Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern, on Talking Alternative Broadcasting. TalkingAlternative.com Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy. I'm joined today by fellow physical therapist, Estelle Gallo. She's a physical therapist here at NYU in New York City. And today we're talking all about Parkinson's disease. And we left off last segment um, talking about when she gets a new patient in, and what does she do? So in the last segment, she sort of talked about those open-ended questions that she would first ask to the patient. So let's say you've gotten through all those questions. You've gotten that initial intake of information. Where do you go from there? So then where I go is I'm going to observe my patients uh, moving. I'm going to have my patient do uh, the different activities that my patient is telling me he or she is having difficulty uh, with. And usually, though, in, in addition of asking them questions, as they first walk in, I always observe my patient yep. because especially if they don't know, um, I'm going to get even more information from the moment they're sitting in the waiting room and walking yeah. into uh, the gym area, the treatment area. I'm going to observe uh, them. 
time. And just that an official uh, observation is going to give me a lot of uh, information. Yeah, because a lot of times when you say, okay, now I'm going to watch you walk. Oh, and yeah, all and of a sudden walk. it's like yeah, you know, and they're and not walking how they would normally Exactly. Walk. So it's really a, a big important uh, part is just uh, observing your patient uh, moving. That's going to be one of the ma- ma- main uh, activities. And really trying to reproduce whatever they're telling me they're having difficulty okay. with. So that telling me mostly walking. So I'm going to do a lot of walking with, with them, doing mm-hmm. different type of walking. Uh, if they're having difficulty getting in and out of bed because that's one of the common uh, challenges that they will have is being unable to get in and out of bed so seeing how they're trying to uh, do it same thing with uh, standing up and also spending a lot of time looking at their balance uh, Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if they're saying to you you know I'm having a really hard time getting shoes on and off you may observe that or give I, I, I may and as well if they're telling me that they're having a lot of difficulties getting dressed uh, I might just uh, as well say maybe at that point too uh, occupational therapy occupational because sometimes yeah. you know your point of entry they come to you and they give you a whole mm-hmm. list of difficulties that because sometimes you it's the first time they come to physical therapy or they even come to the uh, rehab uh, mm-hmm. center so mm-hmm. they don't re- necessarily know all the different discipline and services that we can offer so Sometimes you can direct them and be the one who initiate the, the, the building of the, of, the, of the team. Of the team. And referring yeah. them to the other disciplines that can help them with uh, other uh, difficulties. Right. And when, so, and, and another question is when you're evaluating this patient, will you have, let's say, they have their wife at home, they have an aide at home, they have, you know, someone that's helping them. Will that person be with you during the evaluation, or no? Me, in any everybody's uh, is welcome. So as uh-huh. long as the the patient says, you know, can my it's wife okay. come in, or can you know, I, I think it's uh, it's better because you want to try to reproduce as closely as you can the environment uh, at uh-huh. home. So whoever is with that uh, patient, I like that person to be uh, there too, because you're always instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, you're better off knowing what is it that they're doing, and go from there then forcing a new way on on them so you're always better off starting with how to do things what's mm-hmm. working for them mm-hmm. and trying to make some changes uh and it's really it's a true collaboration you know it's not me imposing because there is many problems and there is more than just one way of answering that or fixing that uh, problem mm-hmm. and the more you're gonna have you're gonna be more successful if really you can collaborate with your with your patient Sure. So that's why if the caregiver, the family, they all welcome. Yeah, Sometimes it can sense. be a little bit confusing, but right. uh, but, but everybody's welcome. welcome. Right. Yes, always. And I would recommend that to anyone to really let the caregivers uh, come, uh, come as and well. Be present. Yeah. And so you've gone through your evaluation. Let's say you go now into treatment. Um, obviously, again, it varies widely from from person to person but there are are there some staples that you always kind of want to include in a treatment session well in your uh, the treatment intervention is really going in physical therapy i i would say that you can really break it down into in three different categories mm-hmm. you you have the the intervention that are trying to prevent something okay. from going wrong prevent or getting worse yes prevent, uh-huh. then you have uh if you cannot fix something you're going to want to compensate for it so if somebody is really always falling and they have no way of catching their balance that's when you're going to think about making some changes within their environment so compensation and then you can try to restore or rehabilitative type of uh intervention mm-hmm. so some because in addition if you remember what we said at the, at the beginning we tend to see patients not necessarily very early Early on, because they're not symptomatic, but we tend to see them when problems are already there. Right. So that's why a lot of time, uh, and when you think about also, um, uh, to, the, you know, Parkinson's disease. If you remember, that's something that really damages your your basal ganglia. Mm-hmm. And your basal ganglia, the best way to understand what the basal ganglia do, it's a little bit like the automatic pilot in your okay. in your brain. Okay? okay. So imagine a plane. This is the automatic pilot. So with Parkinson's disease, you're really losing your automatic pilot. Right. So you're losing that initiation of automatic movement. Exactly. Or, yeah. All the movement that you used to do without thinking about it, walking, because you can walk and have a conversation. Uh, you can stand up and think about, oh, I want to 
stand up, I'm standing up, but I'm doing something else. Right. So you're not thinking about what you're doing. You're right. just you doing just do it, with, it. So all those movements that you used to do automatically without thinking about it, you lost your automatic pilot. So if you mm-hmm. don't think about it, you won't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's why at some point with uh, Parkinson's, once you reach that point where they really lost too much of their automatic pilot, you're going to teach them some new strategies to move. Because what's important to understand is that for those patients, their ability to move is not lost. They can still move, but they have to use different strategies to move. They really have to be, they need to bring back uh, the the conscious, the intention Mm -hmm. behind all their movements. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very um, tiring, first of all, when you're 65 or 70 to learn new ways to to move. You stood up and walk all your life without thinking about it, and now you have to think about it all the time. So that's one of the main uh, interventions I would say we, we do with those patients, especially as they advance in, uh, in, uh, in, in the disorder. It's to teach them new way of, uh, of uh, movement mm-hmm. and really bringing conscience and conscious intention behind each uh, of their uh, movement. Right. No, that makes perfect sense. So for mm-hmm. you and I, like, it's not like when we're sitting, we have to consciously think, put your feet on the ground, lean forward, exactly. stand yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. So we really teach them how to break down the, the task mm-hmm. and think about what is it that they need to, to do. Mm-hmm. For example, walking and especially as they start to walk, they might, uh, the, 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 the way somebody with Parkinson's might walk was taking many small steps, mm-hmm. you know, what mm-hmm. we call a shuffling uh, gait. So we're going to say, think consciously about taking big steps, think big, big big, big. That can help them. Also, uh, having some type of rhythm or listening to some type of music can help them bring their intention to a specific pace and help them walk a little bit faster and Uh with uh, bigger steps. That makes sense. Uh, Sometimes with uh, getting in and out of bed, we can break down the getting in and out of bed into specific sequence and they can talk to them talk them through about getting in and out of bed, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. first, roll to your side. Okay, now go ahead from your side to uh, sit at the edge of the bed. And you can break down all those different type of uh, activities into components, bed mobility, also standing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That can uh, help them to uh, to do those activities. They just really have to put their mind to it. Sure, sure. And I think that definitely goes back to what you said before about having the person that's with them, a caretaker, a family member, who's ever with them. I guess in this in this type of treatment, it's very important that they're there because they're the ones reinforcing this at home. Yes, exactly. Because if you want them to get used to this new way of uh, moving, mm-hmm. whoever's with them all the time need to try to reinforce it with right. uh, with them. Because really, their ability to move is is not lost. Mm-hmm. It's how you get them to move has to change. Mm. It's no longer automatic. You need to give them some additional uh, input, right. input, feedback that can be uh, tactile cues. It can be auditory cues, can be visual cues, but something to get them to, to move because they can move. Right. And I think that that's, that's very important for anyone suffering with Parkinson's disease because a lot of times, as you know, part of Parkinson's disease can be depression or could be hopelessness or could be. But to know, that, to, to tell someone, well, you can move, let's just give you different strategies, exactly. I think is a great sort of psychological um, upper, so to speak. Yeah, no, no. And it's so, so important for, especially because it's so hard for them to move, but they need to keep on moving and exercising. And that's why with uh, people living with Parkinson's, we try different uh, foundation and organization, try to organize classes to Mm -hmm. get them to to move. Yep. And that's... And remain active. Absolutely. And that goes back to the interview from last week with Lauren Hunt of the Davis Finney Foundation. You know, their biggest thing is to get up and move. And she's like, some people... Maybe just sitting up out of bed, and for others, it could be walking across the park. Mm. It could be raising your arm overhead. You know, any kind of movement, anything is better than nothing. Yeah, no, no, and that's why you know, uh, it was uh, the National Parkinson Foundation. Really, they try to promote the move day, but people need to get up and 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 move. And that's move. really really uh, yeah. important. Yeah. Okay, mm. we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll wrap things up when we come back. So stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you feeling overwhelmed in the current chaos of our changing times? 
A deeper understanding of authentic astrology can uncover solutions in every area of life. After all, metaphysics is just quantum physics, poetically expressed. I am Montgomery Taylor, and I offer lectures, seminars, and private consultations. For more information, contact me at Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at rljmedia.com. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy. I'm joined today by physical therapist Estelle Gallo. She is a neurology clinical specialist through the APTA and works here at NYU in New York City. And, you know, this whole show we've been uh, talking about Parkinson's disease. Estelle has done an amazing job, I think, of of explaining what Parkinson's disease is, different types, what happens. And uh, last segment, we really talked about what to look for if you're the physical therapist. And, and you know, during the break, we were talking um, that now it's more than, it could be more than just the physical therapist. It could be this person may have a personal trainer. They may have that person living at home with them that aid and, and how important it is that everyone is on board with the same um, treatment mentality, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, to help reinforce this patient, uh, to keep them moving and to yep. keep them active. So, Estelle, what would you say, what are some key points that you would like the listeners to sort of take away from this discussion? Well, it's that, uh, as we mentioned in, uh, in the break, is that indeed someone with Parkinson's disease did not lose the ability to move. They mm-hmm. still have this ability to move. It's not like they're they paralyzed. Or, so they can still move, but um, the common strategy that they used to uh, have, uh, such as this automatic pilot that we mm-hmm. uh, mentioned, as this automatic pilot starts to decline more and more, they have to use different strategies and be a bit more mindful and thoughtful and conscious about how they're moving, and then they'll be able to uh, to move uh, again. Mm-hmm. And to really, again, to just try to stay as active as uh, as possible, even though it might be more difficult for them to, to move and uh, stay active, to try to find ways. And I think that's the, the key thing for us as physical therapists is to encourage movement encourage function and find ways that what is it that gets in the way for those patients to mm-hmm. to remain uh, active is it, it because sometimes some of the patients really don't like to uh, exercise right. so it's trying to find ways for those people to do activities that they actually uh, enjoy because we know that exercise is good for them but it's overall activity would be good right. uh, for them so, so you don't want to force something on someone that maybe they're not interested in doing exactly you yeah. yeah you really want them to do something that they actually enjoy it's going to be so much sure. more beneficial for them so that's why a lot of group activities can be for example if you think parkinson you might also think dancing and there mm-hmm. are some initiative especially here in uh, in brooklyn uh, at the brooklyn academy of music with mm-hmm. um the i think it's mark morris 
dance uh, his dance troupe uh, okay. which in uh, at the Bam who has initiated this uh, dance for Parkinson uh, cool. disease and offer some uh, dance classes the idea is to offer activities uh, group activities that can be enjoyable for those uh-huh. uh, patients and uh-huh. to really get them engaged and, and moving and I think those are great uh, initiative yeah no I think that's that's wonderful and mm. and uh, something that that uh, Lauren Hunt said last week from the Davis Finney Foundation that they're doing research now with a doctor oh gosh I forget where he's out of but they're they're doing research into cycling and how yeah. cycling mm-hmm. for like they don't know quite why yet but how when someone gets on a bike stationary bike or even a, a outside like a road bike that you know, they may have trouble walking, but they get on that bike and it's, they yes. can move. Yes, that, that's true. And I've seen some, some videos, you put them on uh, on the bike and mm-hmm. uh, and after, once they're off the, the bike and they start walking, they walk much better. That's right. And that's we right. really don't know why and we don't really know uh, as well how long it's uh, lasting for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just to go back into exercise modalities, um, indeed the, the bike, but also the treadmill, mm-hmm. you know, has been shown to be extremely uh, beneficial. So the idea is uh, that the body is uh, even though maybe one part is declining, the body is still plastic. It will respond to to challenges, to mm-hmm. activities. So that's why it, it, you might. It's it's important to remain as engaged as uh, as possible yeah. and as active as possible because you're going to see uh, you're going to see improvement, or you might slow down the the right. decline. So to do nothing at all would be it's going to make thing it, it's going to make the gl- decline go even faster. faster. Yeah. So that's why again, so so important to remain as active as possible mm-hmm. and then to consult with a physical therapist if you're having difficulties to see how we can find ways to make it safe for you mm-hmm. to uh, to remain as active as possible as indeed with Parkinson's your, your balance is going to decline right. so you're at high risk for falling mm-hmm. and we don't want you to hurt yourself of course so it's always a fine line of being active and remaining and safe. safe so that's why it's good to consult a, a physical, physical therapist, therapist. To, to guide you in that uh, process right and let's say if there's someone out there listening and they want to get in touch with you to maybe ask you some questions specifically how can they do that sure i'll give you my uh, email address mm-hmm. and it's uh, estelle.gallo g-a-l-l-o at nyumc.org okay great well estelle thank you for coming on this thank has you been for a having great me. show no, i mean i know i've learned nice. a lot no no it was very enjoyable thank <laughs> you for having me of course of course and and thank you for tuning in today next week uh is the month of May already, so (laughs) I'm having a whole month uh, centered on mommy issues. So next week I'll be interviewing registered dietitian Hillary Barron Irwin, and uh, we're going to talk about nutritional needs for pre- and postpartum mommies. So everyone uh, tune in for that and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. How's your game? Want to improve your performance, focus, and motivation? Then you need Aspire Athletic Consulting. Stop second-guessing yourself. Move your game to the next level. Bring back the fun of the sport. Help your child build confidence and self-esteem through sports. Contact Dale at Aspire Athletic Consulting for a free 15-minute power session to get unstuck today. Your greatest athletic performance is just a phone call away at 801-604-0294 or visit aspireconsulting.vpweb. Motivational coaching for athletic excellence. Aspire to greatness. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Looking to meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright but still haven't found the one? 
Want to make your current relationship as fulfilling as possible? Then tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. for Love in the Afternoon with Marnie Gallison. As a professional matchmaker, I've seen it all. With distinguished authors, industry gurus, and experts on everything from wine to fashion, join us as we discuss dating, relationships, and more on TalkingAlternative.com. Are you fed up with Talking Points rhetoric? Everywhere you turn, it's left or right spin, ideology, no reality. In fact, it's ideology over intellect. No more. It's time for the truth. Join me, Larry Sharp, a.k.a. The Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, for the Ivory Tower radio program. In the Ivory Tower, we'll discuss what's important to you, society, politics, business, and family. It's provocative talk for the realist and the skeptic who want to know what's really going on, what does it mean, and what can be done about it. So gain special access to the Ivory Tower and listen to me, Larry Sharp, your Neo Sage, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11, New York time. Go to ivorytowerradio.com for details. That's ivorytowerradio.com. The Ivory Tower is a great place to visit for both entertainment and education. Listen in, Tuesday nights, 9 to 11. It will make you smarter. TalkingAlternative.com 